The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, folks. Thanks for joining me again on Psych Up Live. Today, we're going to be speaking about the power of the mutual rescue of people and pets. We are joined by Carol Nabello. She's the founder of Mutual Rescue, a national initiative that has inspired support and life-saving efforts between people and pets worldwide. Carol is a returning guest to Psych Up Live, and she brings with her today examples of how Mutual Rescue addresses trauma, pain, othering, bias, and loneliness. She'll discuss the neurophysiology of the pet-person connection and discuss some unbelievably interesting programs for people who cannot actually adopt a pet but want to share in the experience of loving homeless furry friends. Now today, if you happen to be listening and you have a mutual rescue story between you and a pet, feel free to call us at 1-866-472-5787 and we'll share with you online. Karen Abello is the author of Mutual Rescue, How Adopting a Homeless Animal Can Save You Too. She received her bachelor's degree in economics and English from Dickinson College and her MBA from Harvard Business School. She held several senior executive positions at Intuit before shifting her focus to animal welfare, where she served as president of Humane Society Silicon Valley for nearly a decade. She's currently on the board of directors at Cuddly Incorporated. Her own family includes three rescues, Cats Herbie and Porcini, and a mixed breed mutt called Daisy. Carol Novello, it is my privilege and pleasure to welcome you back to Psych Up Live. Thanks so much, Suzanne. It's a delight to be back. Okay. So, Carol, your book is really one of the enduring gifts of your mission. I, I, I recommend it to anyone. But in it, you tell an important story about you as a little girl being the recipient of a mutual rescue. Can you share that with us? Absolutely. When I was five years old, my family and I went to pick out a Christmas tree. And while we were at the Christmas tree farm, there was a stray cat who decided to come up to me and get to know me a little bit. And I begged my mom to be allowed to bring him home. And much to my amazement, she said yes. And this may have been kind of a a run-of-the-mill experience maybe for another family, but for me, that dynamic with my mother saying yes to bringing this cat into our home was very significant to me. It's one of my most vivid memories uh, from growing up. And that was because I wasn't very close to my mom And what I found when we adopted this stray cat, who we ended up naming Nick, is that it was a way for my mother and I to connect. And it was a way for me to see that my mother 
was there was more to her than that I was experiencing directly because I could see that she really was opening her heart um, to this animal. And as I grew older and I reflected back on that experience and you know, I've, I've grieved the, the mother that I, that I wanted to have that I didn't have. Um, and I realized that I could either, you know, stay in a place where I, I grieved the fact that I didn't have the mother that I wanted, or I could be grateful for the gifts that I did receive from her. And one of those incredible gifts was the love of animals that actually led to me, uh, you know, taking on a very uh, purposeful and satisfying second career working in animal welfare. So mm it really came full circle for me. You know, in some ways, I hadn't thought of it before, Carol, but your mother benefited from the mutual rescue too because it's through pets. She was able to hold her little girl differently. Yeah. It was, it's, it, it really is bi-directional. It's a precious story and you can see how it's unfolded. Now, many people, well, some people know about the early evolution of dogs from wolves and how it happens that dogs are really so attuned to us. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yes. So there's some amazing research that's been done. Uh, the leader in that really is Dr. Brian Hare, who's at the Duke Canine Cognition Center. And he basically <laughs> discovered that you know dogs can read human gestures. Uh, and understand them, which is something that we didn't really understand 20 or 30 years ago. And Dr. Hare has been the leader um, in understanding that. But what's so fascinating about it is that the relationship between humans and dogs goes back some 35,000 years. And it started with the more docile and less fearful wolves who figured out that one of the best ways to safely get the food they needed rather than go hunting was to actually kind of live around the areas where humans were living and hunting and eating. And while this may be a bit gross, the fact is they found that eating human poop, because humans were eating the same thing that the wolves would have hunted themselves, was a much easier way to keep themselves fed. So that's where it all started. Um, and then over time, um, you know, wolves evolved into the canines that we know today, uh, again, because the ones that were, you know, more docile, less fearful, were the ones that uh, were staying around the, the human encampments. And then, of course, humans found that there was benefit to them as well in terms of dogs scaring off predators and, and helping them with the hunt. So it really became a mutually beneficial relationship many, 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 many thousands of years ago. Mm. Now, given what you just said, let's go the next step and we can use the park. We've had so many school shootings. Um, Parkland is a good example of the very successful use of rescue dogs being brought to the schools and helping children respond. But so my question is, in that case, and I think you have some other cases of domestic violence, what is it in particular that causes a dog or a pet to become extremely attuned in the face of sometimes it's illness, sometimes it's trauma? In one case, after 9-11, a fireman and his wife, he was quite badly injured and uh, was having heart surgery. The cat switched places. The older cat sat on his bed. 
he never had before. The younger cat switched to her bit. And when he went back to work, it's a sad but poignant story, that's when the older cat died. But it was so striking to me, and it fits in with some of your stories, that they're exquisitely attuned to pain and trauma in people. Tell us a little bit why. Well, I think that when animals come to rely on us for their well-being, you know, they need to be fed and cared for. And they have similar uh, engineering, as it were, to humans in terms of uh, connection and attachment. And so when they become attuned to us to get their needs met, I think they become attuned to the needs we have as people. And for us as human beings, the, the role that animals are, are playing for us is that they essentially are, uh, for lack of a better word, hijacking this ancient structure that exists in our brain that was designed for the infant parent uh, attachment. It's the attachment bond. And essentially that bond existed so that parents would keep their children physically safe and also provide emotional security. And even though we've evolved, you know, from the days of, of, you know, wild sabers coming after us, whatever, we still have that need for those connections to provide a sense of, of safety and, and comfort. And that's where pets come in, which is they, uh, they're taking advantage of that structure in our brains. And that's how we end up forming attachments uh, with them. And they end up playing such an important role for us. One of the, um, one of the things that you shared with uh, with respect to what we know about the Parkland response was that there are kids who wouldn't talk to any counselors, but they would pet the dogs. One one little boy or teen boy, he eventually asks his father to get him a rescue dog. But um, you also had talked about oxytocin being generated and that being a part of what a person feels when they are stroking and touching and being responded to by the dog, something some people have never really had much neurophysiological experience with. So it becomes almost a new pattern for them. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in the, in the case of the Parkland shootings, uh, there's two stories in my book that I talk about. The first is uh, a young girl by the name of Grace, and she had an experience with rescue dogs. There's a, a program that was run by the Humane Society of Broward County, and they were bringing rescue dogs uh, into the school to help the students get, you know, reacclimate to being back in school. And Grace was just really resisting going back to school, and she didn't want to talk to counselors, as you, as you mentioned. But that first day back in school, the rescue dogs were there and she connected uh, with a dog named Karma. And Karma, you know, as I say, there's a mutual rescue doll. These stories, you know, she'd been a stray dog in the streets of Mississippi and her, her owners didn't want her back. And, you know, she ended up uh, making her way to a shelter in Florida who then saw just how sweet and responsive she was to humans and selected her for this program. And Grace really credits Karma for, you know, helping her get through the rest of the school year and giving her something to look forward to and reminding her that there is good in the world. I think that's mm -hmm. one of the, the biggest things that Karma did for Grace. And Jonathan was another student at Parkland who was really struggling with the post-traumatic stress of the shooting and found himself very withdrawn and his mind was just, you know, going into a, you know, a, a fight or flight mode to re in response to the trauma. And 
he experienced the therapy dogs coming to school and he came home one day and said to his dad, I think we need to adopt a dog. (laughs) And um, there was a wonderful rescue group there in the Florida area who uh, sponsored the adoption of a, of a puppy named that they named Ajax. And Jonathan really credits Ajax with helping him get regrounded and and recentered. And there's essentially something that happens, you know, there's, there's the neurological physiological things that are happening, which you mentioned with the release of specific feel good chemicals like oxytocin and prolactin and, and serotonin and those kinds of things. And petting an animal can help release those feelings uh, physiologically in our body. But there's also the emotional component, um, and I referenced attachment theory before, by having an experience with an animal where you are feeling connection, you're feeling love, it enables you to tap into something uh, psychologically called a safe haven or a secure base. Mm-hmm. And a safe haven is something that gives you a feeling of, of safety, of helping you uh, feel that you're okay and all is good in the world and you feel supported and, and comforted. And I think that's what, what Jonathan was experiencing with Ajax is, is a sense of a, a safe haven and helping him to then be able to focus on that feeling as opposed to the fear uh, of the trauma. Mm. Just Just jumping right off that, if you can share quickly the story of the young woman who gets out of the domestic violence situation not she's not looking for a dog the dog sort of finds her yeah she and her mom were uh were out hiking and they uh found a stray dog and um they you know attempted to find the owner and there was no owner that came forward and so um she adopted this dog nigel they named nigel and nigel was scared of everything um, but she loved this dog and she ended up, um, you know, in a relationship that subsequently turned abusive and she wasn't really seeing it. And she um, was kind of making excuses to stay when she kind of deep down knew she should leave. And one evening she um, and this man got into a, a fight and Nigel basically you know, he had thrown her to the floor, I think, and, and, and Nigel basically came over and stood over her and just, like, glared at this man, like, don't you dare touch her. And in that moment, you know, Amanda saw this dog be so courageous and really step up to protect her, and she just, and that, that just clicked, you know, in mm-hmm. something within her and gave her the courage. She gathered up her stuff, put some, threw some clothes in a laundry basket, took the dog and, and got out of the relationship and didn't look back. And it, it makes me think of, there's a quote by Brene Brown, which is courage is contagious. Yes. When, you know, when we see other people doing these acts of bravery, it helps strengthen that emotion and that capability within ourselves. And that's essentially what Nigel, I think, did for Amanda. Absolutely. It's a precious story. We're going to take a break. You're going to hear more stories. We want to hear your stories, too. If you have one, call in at 1-866-472-5787. We'll take a brief break and we'll be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's time to get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson, the Midlife Whisperer. Your Midlife Roadmap is the blueprint you need to roll with change, transform yourself, and create a fabulous second adulthood. Get answers and solutions for whatever you're up against and transform problems into opportunities. Make your next life chapter your best chapter with Rock Your Midlife every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. I'm here with Carol Novello. She's the founder of Mutual Rescue and the author of the book, Mutual Rescue, How Adopting a Homeless Animal Can Save You. Now, Carol's films on relationships of people and pets and their mutual rescue have been seen worldwide millions of times. Her most famous one, over 100 million times. So my first question, Carol, is what gave you the idea of helping people know about mutual rescue by the use of films? Well, it all started out when I transitioned from my career in high tech to becoming president of Humane Society Silicon Valley. And one of the things that people would sometimes ask me is why I was helping animals when I could be helping people. And I thought that that was rather curious uh, because I knew firsthand, and not only from my own experience, but watching people that were adopting pets, just how much their lives were transformed. And I started uh, giving speeches in our local community in Silicon Valley, and I was sharing stories of people that had adopted an animal and their lives had been transformed. Uh, Eric and Petey, which is uh, the film you mentioned earlier, was one of the stories that I was sharing. And we happened to have a board member, and she said to me, you know, I 
I know the gentleman who was the producer of the tech awards in Silicon Valley, which is kind of Silicon Valley's version of the Oscars. And he really wants to do something with animals. You know, why don't you guys get together? So we sat down and I was like, wow, this guy is a, is a creative genius and I have no idea how we're going to work together, but I'd love to just kind of, you know, explore some things. So I told him about this concept that, you know, I really think that helping people or helping pets helps people. And, and how could we help people understand that in a really visceral way? And he is the, the his name's David Whitman, and he actually came up with the phrase mutual rescue and said, you know, your audience could be so much bigger if we started uh, doing short films that were telling these stories. Right. And so that's how mutual rescue was born. And amazingly, we found funding to make these films that kind of came in from, from nowhere out of thin air. It was, it was amazing. And our very first film, uh, we decided to tell the Eric and Petey story because it's just so impactful and powerful to see, you know, Eric was, um, very overweight. Uh, he lost, I think, 140 pounds uh, after he adopted uh, a shelter dog at the recommendation of a neuropathic doctor who saw not only that he needed physical exercise, but that he really needed connection because he'd become very socially isolated. Um, and so the success of that first film, as I said, um, was truly amazing. It, uh, there was one post on SF Gates specifically that one post alone had 35 million views, mm. 500,000 shares, and 50,000 comments, I think. People just really, really responded to it. And that led to the opportunity to create more films and to write a book, and it just took off from there. And I just want our listeners to know, we'll be giving you the link to Carol's site, so you will have an opportunity to see all of these wonderful films. Um, so one of the things, one of your new films, you're taking on the feeling of being other. We talk about being other. What does that mean, Carol? Yeah, so othering is, is really that comes out of something um, called unconscious bias. And unconscious bias is where we are labeling or judging someone without really having a, a direct experience of them. And, you know, I tell this story in my book about how when I was little and growing up, my dad used to say to me, don't kiss the cat. Cats have germs. And essentially, my, my dad was othering cats. And then we ended up adopting a cat who basically <laughs> decided that my dad was his guy. And <laughs> he uh, followed my dad upstairs at, at, on Friday nights and watch Wall Street Week with him when no one else in the family would do it. And um, and one night I walked by and I looked in and I was like, well, look who's kissing the cat. <laughs> and, you know, my dad went from, you know, I wouldn't say he hated cats, but at best he tolerated them because he had just put a label on them. They're germ-filled pests. But when he had a direct experience and made a connection, it really changed him, you know, almost instantaneously. And I think by using an example of an animal and a person, it takes out some of the emotional charge that we have today. But, you know, othering is happening all over the place, whether it's because of someone's sexual orientation, their gender, their nationality, their ethnicity, all these things that, you know, we just put judgments and labels on. And so 
you know, with all that kind of going on in the world, we were really looking for, is there a way for us to try and help expand people's perspective on that? And that's why we decided to make the chemo and jazz story or film. And what's so interesting to me about this film is that chemo uh, growing up realized he felt different and he didn't really know why. And, and, you know, basically came to understand later that he was gay. And so he had the experience in his youth of being othered and, and knowing what that felt like. And then as an adult, uh, he was working with people who were experiencing homelessness in Utah. And when he first started doing the work, he found himself, you know, in his own mind, othering these people and putting labels on them and, and, and really not being able to connect with them because they felt so different. But one woman had a dog, one homeless woman had a dog and, and chemo had a rescue dog that had provided him a, a tremendous amount of support when his father was dying. And he recognized that same need for support in her with her dog that he had for his dog. And that's when it kind of opened up for him and he was able to find a connection to this woman. And I think it's such an extraordinary story because even if we have experienced the feeling of being othered, it doesn't keep us from allowing our unconscious biases to have us start othering people who are different from us regardless. And so it really was a very heart-opening and eye-opening story from that perspective. One of the things for me about that story, and I think it's worth all listeners knowing, Chemo, the young man's dad, was a fire and knife dancer in, was it in Hawaii? In Hawaii, yeah. In Hawaii. So he was so different from this dad. But it, as the story unfolds, he buys a house, brings his parents, his father's in bed for quite a long time. And Guess who's sitting with the dad all day is the very dog who helped Chemo, the dog's name is Jazz, feel like he was okay. It's it's such a powerful turnaround unexpectedly of um, people realizing that there really no, are no others. Right. <laughs> right. right. It's, it's, it's a beautiful story and it's a beautiful film. One of the other films that was very moving and is very important because it deals with um, our veterans is the Josh and Scout kitten story. Maybe you can share a little bit of that. Yes. So Josh uh, was an Iraqi war veteran and he suffered a traumatic brain injury when he was overseas. And he came back to the States and uh, was really suffering um, because of that, and, and it's what you know he would call an invisible wound, which is because you couldn't see it physically, and he was bullied by his peers, and people didn't really understand, and he had just gotten to a really, really dark place, and one night he just had enough, and he had decided that he was going to take his life, and um, he'd wrote, you know, written a letter and taken out his knife and, and put it out on his desktop, and then he went downstairs to have one last cigarette, and while he was sitting out there in the rain having a cigarette, this kitten crawled out from under a bush and just crawled up into his lap. And it just caused him to kind of, you know, break down and, and just, it, again, it was a moment of connection. And he felt seen by this animal. And, you know, in that moment, he realized that, you know, he, there was good he could do in the world, that he had a purpose. And he focused on you know, taking care of, of the, that stray cat. And 
there's some wonderful twists and turns because they they ended up being separated but miraculously found their way back to each other and <laughs> um and you know Josh went on to uh you know uh get married and have a daughter and go back and get his masters um to help other veterans that need the same kind of help that that he did and he credits all of that to scout mm. and wow what an amazing amazing impact and ripple effect um that that one small kitten had uh just because of serendipity so many of carol of your stories involve passing it forward once the person has experienced the unexpected magic of a mutual rescue and have experienced that secure base and internalized it they seem to want to find a way to pass it forward to make it happen for other people that seems to be the power of mutual rescue i definitely think that is one of the most uh, amazing things that i've seen and it really just came about i wasn't even really looking for it but as people were submitting their stories and and we were looking at them what i really saw is that if as people healed from their trauma and their pain you know they wanted to give back they wanted to help the world become a better place and and through that they were finding various ways of giving back whether it's you know scout's example of of working with veterans uh or chemo he went on to actually found an organization that helps people keep their pets during times of crisis and that's you know a huge huge deal if you're someone who you know if you're homeless for example and you have to go into the hospital but you have an animal you you don't want to go have that procedure because you don't know what's going to happen to your animal while you're not there uh but in you know the situation with chemo's organization they'll care for that animal until uh the person is able to um you know reestablish that connection when they're in a better situation that's an incredible gift that's a, such an incredible gift for people not to be worried about their pets who they love so much So now let's talk about Carol has done a series which you'll be able to access on her website but the the meaning of them is really important to share mutual rescue moments and your first one is seniors saving seniors it's one of my favorites let's talk a little bit about that Yes so our our original fil- film series were longer in length and we decided that we wanted to be able to produce uh more content so people could see us more regularly so these new films uh are a little bit shorter and they also highlight some of the organizations uh that are doing this amazing work and so um these new uh mutual rescue moment series each series will have a theme and our first theme is seniors saving seniors which is about senior animals and the impact uh that they're having on senior humans and so we just released our fourth episode uh yesterday actually but um there uh will are five episodes so far in this particular series we've got a new series that'll be coming out later this summer called parallel journeys which will highlight stories about animals and people that have had kind of you know similar experience experiences to help each other heal and again highlighting that aspect of mutual rescue what's so interesting to me i want our listeners to know so when you see this you're going to see older dogs and cats that would generally not be someone's first pick yeah. but they're in a place called Marty's place uh, maybe you you want to share how the seniors how the seniors have found a group as well as these pets yeah so in uh, our third episode is called a sense of purpose 
um, and it highlights uh, an organization called Marty's Place in New Jersey, and it's a sanctuary for senior dogs, and a lot of the volunteers at Marty's Place are senior people, (laughs) and um, it really is, it's a wonderful um, organization in terms of bringing together animals and people in a way that is mutually beneficial. And the, you know, these, these senior dogs are able to live out their lives and, and be well cared for. And the senior people are able to make connections, not only with animals, but also with other people. So in this particular short film, we highlight two volunteers uh, who are both seniors and retirees and just the experience of, of volunteering there and what it's meant to them. You know, one individual was really struggling with kind of depression and isolation, and she got involved in Marty's Place, and that that gave her a sense of purpose. And another woman had retired and wasn't really quite sure what to do with her time and started volunteering, and it gives her life structure and meaning. So it really is a, a pretty special place and program that they have going there, and um, you know, I hope that uh, listeners, regardless of your age, will will think about ways to get involved and and get that kind of connection in their lives. Mm-hmm. The um, well, let's just mention since, since you just said that the Doggy Day Out, which is a national program for animal shelters. Let's mention that, Carol. Talk about that for a bit. Yes. So, uh, Mutual Rescue has created a toolkit to make it easier for shelters to implement uh, Doggy Day Out programs. And what Doggy Day Out is, is a a scenario where an individual can come and take a dog out for the afternoon, essentially on a field trip out into the community. So it helps the dog get a break from the shelter. It helps the person get out and about with the dog and get some exercise and enjoy the outdoors. And it's a low commitment, what we call a low barrier to participation program. So with a lot of shelters, if you volunteer, you need to go through extensive training, you need to commit to a certain number of hours per month, and and not everybody's in a situation to be able to do that. Um, But with the Doggy Day Out program, you know, you you just need to answer a few simple questions and agree to a certain set of guidelines, and then you're able to take a, a dog that needs an outing into the community for the afternoon. And so it's just a great way if you're not in a situation to volunteer or foster or adopt that you can get time with an animal. And what's great for the animals, um, the program really started kind of locally uh, in Fredericksburg, Virginia, at the shelter there. And they found that adoptions increased for t- by 20 percent wow. for, for the dogs that were you know, going out on these outings, because essentially people were finding that. They, even if they couldn't adopt the animal, they were advocating for that animal yeah. to get adopted. So they're like, oh, my gosh, I met this great dog. And they're posting on social media. And you're seeing all these pictures of the dog having fun out with this person. And um, and so it's great because the dogs are, are you know, are getting into their forever homes faster. So, um, yeah, if anyone's interested in doing a doggy day out, if you go to mutualrescue.org, there's a doggy day out section on our website and we have a directory that lists by state uh, the various shelters that have these programs. So you can find a shelter in your area. And um, we're adding new new shelters all the time. And, and if you're a shelter or you work in the field, you can also download the Doggy Day Out Toolkit, which will make it easier for you to get a program implemented and up and running without having to do all the legwork. 
Perfect. We're going to take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live, and we're here with Carol Novello. As you see, she knows everything about mutual rescue. She's the author of Mutual Rescue, How Adopting a Homeless Animal Can Save You. Her films have been seen millions of times and send an incredible message. Stay with us. More to come. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Glow and Tell is the new provocative podcast from beauty expert, spa owner, and product junkie, Carolyn Holdsworth. The Southern-raised entrepreneur will share her unvarnished opinions on self-care and all things that are meant to glow, inside and out. Carolyn will be joined by guest experts who will go deep, and listeners will discover and discuss plenty about what they see and feel in the mirror each day. Questions and answers will wrap each podcast with no topics out of bounds. Don't miss Glow and Tell with Carolyn Holdsworth, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you ever have an off day? Or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive, inspired, and contemplative thought, showcasing experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Your host, Winifred Adams, will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. As humans, we suffer when we believe we are not good enough. We are taught we must be better, look better, try harder, and achieve more. We cope with the stress and disappointment of life in ways that make us feel worse and keep us stuck in a cycle of unworthiness. We don't have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. Kirsten and her guests will share how self-acceptance and unconditional self-love can help you break this cycle and find freedom Listen to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans, with Kirsten Johansson, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. We're here with Carol Novello. She's the founder of Mutual Rescue and the author of the book Mutual Rescue, How Adopting a Homeless Animal Can Save You. And you've been hearing throughout the show amazing rescue, mutual rescues by people and pets that have really saved lives. There's one program that I wanted Carol to share because it involves a senior who would love and and does um, adopt, but she needs help. Let's talk about that program and Elena. Yes. So in our new uh, Mutual Rescue Moments series and our, our first series being Seniors Saving Seniors, the very first episode is called We're All Pack Animals. And 
the story highlights uh, Elena and she is uh, a senior woman and she's dealing with loneliness and, and isolation. And that quote, we're all pack animals, which is the, the title of the film, comes from her, which is, you know, we're not, we're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to live in isolation. And from that perspective, you know, we're all pack animals. And um, fortunately, through her niece made her aware of a program. Uh, there's a wonderful organization called New Mexico Dog or NM Dog. And they have a specific uh, program called the Home Sanctuary Program. And what they found was that uh, it was they, you know, they needed to find more homes for dogs, especially, you know, more senior dogs that were harder to get adopted out. And one of the things that they discovered is that, you know, there are a lot of seniors, senior people who would love to have an animal but might not have the resources or, or might need assistance in being able to care for those animals. So they started their home sanctuary program that actually makes it possible for a senior like Elena uh, to adopt uh, senior dogs. And there were two senior dogs, Raina and Baxter, that uh, NM Dog and their home sanctuary program matched to Elena. And she not only has these two dogs, but she has, uh, you know, a person at uh, NM Dog who helps her, who they cover the cost of the food. Uh, they cover vet bills if she needs assistance getting the dogs to the vet, that kind of thing. So it's a very special program. And, you know, I hope more and more shelters will take a look at something like that because these animals are finding homes that are being well cared for. These people are not are not going to be, you know, out at work for 10, 12 hours a day or out of the house. They're, they're going to be home loving on these right. animals. And it really is a, it's a win-win situation. So. Yes. It's a great program. It's a perfect situation, yeah. So now I asked Carol to speak about this. As a psychologist, I often get calls about someone having lost a pet, a dog, a cat that they truly love. And they are grieving. And at some point, they get stuck between, I would love a pet, but how could I ever replace the pet I loved? And so I'm asking you that with all your experience, Carol, what's the kind of uh, conversation you have? Or what, what, what do you respond? Or how can we think about this? Well, first, I, I want to acknowledge how incredibly hard and painful it is to lose a beloved animal. And, you know, my, my first cat that I uh, had as an adult uh, passed away from cancer um, when he was about 10 years old. And it was absolutely devastating for me. I mean, I, I felt as if I'd lost my soulmate in life. I was so bonded with that cat. And not only was it painful to, to lose uh, the cat, but I actually found that the grief that I was tapping into from the loss of the cat, Wilbur, was tapping into deeper grief that I had inside me um, from the loss of my own father uh, 10, 15 years earlier that I hadn't really processed very well. And so that, that's part of what happens is it, it, it taps into this ore, you know, what a, a vein all, almost, or a, a, a load of ore that we're carrying in our body of grief. And I think that's one of the reasons why it can feel so overwhelming but I think there's there's a couple of things about it. As I, you know, grieved Wilbur and, and came to terms with that, um, one of the things that I realized is that 
no one was ever going to replace Wilbur. And I've adopted numerous cats and dogs since Wilbur has passed. And what I have found is that there's a place in my heart that only it's his and his only. And yet, when we are brave enough to welcome another animal into our home, it actually causes our heart to grow bigger. And, and we create space for this new animal and for our, our ability to, to still be able to love. And that the experience of loving an animal is about recognizing that love is universal and that it isn't just that one animal that we loved or that we're capable of loving. It's that they gave us the experience of it so that we could know what it felt like mm-hmm. and, and to be brave enough to do it again. And, and I found a, a lovely quote. It's actually from, from Winnie the Pooh. Uh, but I love it because when I, whenever, uh, you know, I recently uh, had, uh, I have a cat right now who's just diagnosed with kidney disease. And I felt that, that, you know, that, oh, I'm tapping into that grief vein again. And, and he's not, you know, going to be passing anytime soon, but it just kind of triggered that feeling in me. And I went back to this quote, which is how lucky I am to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. And I think when we, we put it in that context is it's so hard because it's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that it's really part of the whole um, bonding process and bonding cycle. And I talk about that a, a lot in my book, which is that it's about coming full circle and that, you know, learning to love is also learning to let go and knowing that that love actually still lives on. It lives on in our hearts, which is a very real place. And one of the best ways to honor that is to continue to allow our hearts to grow bigger and bigger by allowing new love into our life. It's just beautiful what you just said. Your work throughout all these years have touched the hearts and changed the quality of life for people and pets, Carol. Oh, thank you, Suzanne. I really appreciate that. So now tell us how our listeners can find you and, and watch some of these wonderful films, get your book. Okay, how do we find you, Carol? Yes, so the best way is to go to mutualrescue.org. That is our website. You can see all of our films are there. Uh, our, our films going all the way back to, to Eric and Petey, as well as our latest series on Seniors Saving Seniors. You can learn more about the book and see a trailer about the book on our website, but you can also order or buy the book from any place that you would normally buy books. It's easily available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. There's also, uh, I did a a TEDx talk recently at TEDx Boston and my TEDx talk, which is about how animals biohack human hearts and help us dissolve unconscious bias. There's a link to that on our website as well. You can also go to ted.com and just uh, search under my last name for that. So there's lots of ways uh, for people to get in touch with us. As I mentioned, we talked about Doggy Day Out earlier and you can also find out about the Doggy Day Out program on our website. And there's a directory there to help you find a uh, shelter in your own local area that has the program. Or if you want to get a program started, you can download the toolkit and it will help you with that as well. So your site 
really is a go there for many, many answers type of site. And if I was thinking, you know, I think I could do a rescue dog. I, I think this matters to me. I could go to your site and get some direction as to what steps to take. So predominantly, we do have um, we do have content there, um, but there is um, plenty of ways for you to find local shelters in your area. Uh, if you just do a, a search on that, you will be able to um, to find shelters that have plenty of animals. Um, to select from and hopefully welcome into your home. Okay. All right. Um, I want to thank you again and keep, keep doing your thing and we'll keep bringing you back to update us, Carol. It's, it's, as we said before, many people make it through the day because of their pets. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me back, Suzanne. It was a delight to be here and, and talk about mutual rescue. It's my favorite topic. Okay. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast. This will be a podcast by 6 p.m. Eastern. It'll be on my host site, my website, and on any of the platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play, Apple TV. Drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Mostly, until next week, be safe, thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.